are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Monday edition here at Locked on Saints. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off of your first order. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A on Twitter. Editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com and your host covering your New Orleans Saints every single Monday through Friday. On today's episode, we've got a lot to recap. It was a pretty wild weekend as Michael Thomas and over a dozen other players in the NFL forced the commissioner's hand. Drew Brees claps back at the president of the United States and even more to discuss than that. We'll recap everything from a wild end of the week and a wild weekend so that you're all caught up. And then Catherine Terrell is going to join us for segments two and three. She's from The Athletic and she's back to talk about C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the Saints' secondary biggest new addition impact, and much, much more. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. An unprecedented end of the week and into the weekend from around the NFL as players, the commissioner, and even the president of the United States speak on issues of or related to racism around the NFL. That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. New Orleans Saints fans are already pretty well versed in the situation revolving around Drew Brees, but Michael Thomas went a little bit further. He didn't stop at just Drew Brees. He decided that he wanted to make sure that he was heard by the entire league, and in particular, Commissioner Roger Goodell. So, reportedly, he ended up gathering a group of over a dozen black NFL players, including Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and so many more very powerful voices to put together a powerful message to the NFL declaring what they wanted to hear from the NFL as well, that they wanted to hear the NFL denounce racism and the systemic oppression of black people, that they wanted to hear the NFL say that they were wrong in their silencing of players and their peaceful protests, telling the NFL that they wanted to hear them say that black lives matter. So they put together a very powerful message that included them also recounting the names of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and many, many others who have lost their lives because of racism injustice and or police brutality in America. And the the players didn't do this on their own. They actually had help from one of the NFL's social media employees who was embarrassed by the way that the league responded to the actions earlier this week with George Floyd and the statement that was incredibly long, but never actually listed the names or the words of any of the things that, that are actually the issues here. And so he reached out to Michael Thomas and said, hey, I want to help you create content to uh, help be heard around the league. And then basically the way that the timeline rolls out is that Michael Thomas wrote back within 15 minutes. 24 hours later, he had all these prominent black NFL players ready for uh, the video and they published it. And then within another 24 hours, tens of millions of people had already watched it. So it's a pretty incredible, fast moving piece of action and mobilization by these players. And of course, with the help of the lone rogue, as everyone keeps calling him, a social media employee as well, who thought he might lose his job for doing this, but figured better to lose my job for speaking out than to not for staying quiet. Then within 24 hours of that, the NFL released a a big press release that went to everyone as well as on Twitter, their video, which is a personally recorded video 
by Roger Goodell in his basement saying the words, we the NFL condemn racism and the systemic oppression of black people. We the NFL admit that we were wrong, uh, admit the wrong, excuse me, of not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. And then finally, we the NFL believe black lives matter. Hashtag inspire change. And that is spoken by Roger Goodell within this uh, within this video, as well as a further transcript, specifically naming George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Maud Arbery, and the others who have endured police brutality and vigilantism and racism and oppression. And so it, it was a big step for the NFL because the players and the league have been at odds about this issue. We, you know, leave alone, like remove the the uh, protest during the anthem entirely. The league and the and the players have not been on the same page with this issue of racism and oppression in the NFL for quite a while. And so now all of a sudden it looks like there may be common ground here and the NFL is promising to talk to black players, reaching out, basically what it says, I will be reaching out, Roger Goodell, to black players who have raised their voice and others on how we can move forward together for a better time and a more united NFL family. So now it comes down to problem solving, not necessarily problem solving, but the next steps in figuring all this out. In the midst of all this, Drew Brees has issued his apology, and Donald Trump, President of the United States, decides to tweet that he's a big fan of Drew Brees, but doesn't believe that Drew Brees should have ever apologized, to which everyone sort of turned their eyes back to Drew Brees and said, all right, buddy, what are you going to do here? Because now you've got the President of the United States chiming in, and regardless of your politics, if this is an issue that you care about, this is an issue that you care about, right? So what happens with Drew Brees? Drew Brees ends up clapping back and essentially giving him his explanation of like, look, I've talked to my friends. I've talked to people within the community. I've talked to people that are affected by this. This is what I believe. This is what's going on. And basically clapped back and sort of retorted to Donald Trump. And now we don't know how far this is going to go, where it's going to end, if it's going to end, or if this continues to go back and forth between the league, Donald Trump, uh, Drew Brees, however it might be. But it's an interesting thing to watch because if nothing else, it turns a corner for the NFL, a league that has been notorious for silencing its players, unlike the NBA, and for not being on the same page as the players when it comes to social issues. Now, all of a sudden, it looks like there may be some common ground there. And perhaps, perhaps that means an opportunity to move forward together as a league, speaking in unison against these issues and in favor instead of life for every person across America. So now the eyes are peeled on the NFL. On Drew Brees about the action. What is the action? What happens next? What do you do next, right? The action is what we'll be watching. The action is what we'll be continuing to track here on Locked on Saints, of course, as we uh, continue to move forward here. And we have no other choice but to continue to move forward because ideally, fingers crossed, it's the best direction for us to go. So what an absolute wild weekend and what a strange thing that I thought a uh, strange set of circumstances I thought I'd never discuss here on the show. But yet, here we are, and I'm grateful that I get to discuss them with all of you. Now, coming up next, we're going to shift gears a little bit, get back to some of the play on the field. Catherine Terrell of The Athletic joins us. We're going to talk C.J. Gardner-Johnson. We're going to talk about set the secondary for the Saints. Where can they add? Who can they add? Is there anybody out there that still fits for them? And much, much more. we got that coming up for you next year on Locked on Saints, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. If you're looking for anything to help you get through your day, you need a small protein boost, you need something to help you 
get ready in the morning, need something before or after a workout, Built Bar is the perfect option for you. And you can head over to BuiltBar.com and pick across so many different flavors, including peanut butter brownie, mint chocolate delight, banana nut bread. You could even go with some German chocolate cake if that's what you're feeling. There's a ton of options here, and it's suitable for everyone. So go ahead and check them out over at BuiltBar.com. They even have some nut-free flavors that are made in an entirely nut-free facility so that you have nothing to worry about if you happen to have a peanut allergy or anything of that kind. You're taken care of here. Go ahead and check them out, BuiltBar.com. And when you get there, make sure that you use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off of your first order. That's promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. All right, Huda Nation, excited to welcome back to the show, Catherine Terrell of The Athletic. Don't forget to follow her on Twitter at Cat with a K underscore Terrell, two R's, two L's. Cat, very grateful that you could be here to chat with us and uh, kind of get into a little bit of the, the stuff on the field for the Saints going into 2020. want to talk a bit about C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who I know a lot of people uh, are going to sort of connect to the Drew Brees situation more than anything, but we know he's a very outspoken player and we know that he is somebody that came into uh, this team and really progressed steadily throughout the season. Can you tell us a little bit about his progress so far and what his 2020 usage might look like? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like he, maybe at the beginning of the season, didn't play very much. And then all of a sudden, he was playing so much, it felt like he'd been there the whole season. (laughs) So when I looked at his snap count a few weeks ago, I guess I was surprised he only played 52% of the snaps, even though that makes total sense when you think about it. But, I mean, that number, it's going to be a number that goes up. I think having this having this young player, in addition to Malcolm Jenkins, is going to give the Saints a ton of flexibility as to what they can do with their secondary. I think they can be in, in big nickel a lot. And, you know, I kept saying they need to sign another flat cornerback, and a lot of people would say to me, I mean, they don't because they can use CJ. So that's got to be a situation that Dennis Allen and – Sean Payton love because it just allows them to get creative and I think he's got so much potential um a few things he probably needs to work on just as far as the way he plays can get himself into a bit of trouble I think we saw that um he got a, mm-hmm. I can't remember when he got a concussion um but you know he plays 100% and sometimes it's hard to rein that back but that's something that'll come in time and you know for him I can't wait to see what he does next year because I just really think this is a talented young player and it's really fun to watch him, to be quite honest. Yeah, and not a bad mentor for him to have in the building now with Malcolm Jenkins back. Right, and I think those two will balance each other out because I think that CJ has a tendency to be a very emotional, uh, I, harmlessly guy is probably the wrong word, but you know mm-hmm. he always says what he thinks. and. Sometimes he can be kind of reactionary. And I say that referring to the season. Um, uh, Chicago actually kind of makes me laugh, you know, when they were messing with one of the Bears players. And, yes, Tariq you know, Cohen. That's DJ, like, yeah. And I thought, it, oh, my gosh, I thought that was hilarious. But, um, you know, DJ, if he, if he thinks something, man, he is just – you're going to know about it. Right. And um, Malcolm, yeah, Malcolm is – he's not a, a quieter type necessarily because obviously we know how outspoken he can be and actually in the locker room Malcolm was always the one that did not only ran a secondary but he was always the one that made you know the passionate speeches pregame and things like that but Malcolm is not a guy that just talks all the all the time that talks when he says something he means it so I think 
like you said, he's, I'm rambling, but I think he's going to be a great mentor towards them. And they really are going to be able to balance each other out. Yeah, absolutely. And so you, you mentioned a little bit about the slot corner position. And I think you can look to at the depth of the boundary corner position, the Saints maybe still have some work left that they could potentially do at one or both of those positions. And of course, you spent time in Cincinnati covering the Bengals. There are a couple of Bengals cornerbacks in Kirkpatrick and Denard that are out on the market now. Could either of those guys end up being an option for the Saints or a potential for the Saints uh, in terms of filling out that secondary a bit? Yeah, Kirkpatrick is interesting because I do think he's a talented player, but he, again, like he's a player that gets himself into trouble because he draws a lot of penalties mm-hmm. and that can be very frustrating to fans. I feel like I'm always covering cornerbacks that constantly have flags thrown on them, <laughs> but he was, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I think Saints fans know about that, but right. <laughs> man, he was a polarizing figure in Cincinnati. You know, he, when he was on, he really could be on, but man sometimes he would just draw a penalty at the worst possible moment and that that was frustrating to watch but that being said I'm surprised he's still out there I don't know if that's a number thing or what because I don't know why a team wouldn't want to take a chance on him then you know of course there's Denard who another guy not sure why he's still out there after his deal with the Jaguars didn't work out I think maybe he's holding out to a place where he can play outside but I mean he's he works really well as a slot cornerback He's always wanted to be an outside cornerback, but, you know, I don't know if teams necessarily see it that way. I do think that at the time he first went on the market before he signed, what, not signed, agreed in terms of the Jags and it didn't work out. The Saints maybe had some interest, but it looks like he was going to be too expensive. And, of course, you know, they already moved on to their other free agents. So I would see him working out with the Saints more than Kirkpatrick. But, you know, who knows, the longer they stay on the market, the more whatever their asking prices drops, I assume. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when we talk a little bit about the secondary and and some of the places that they're addressing, you know, one of the things that comes to mind immediately are kind of the newcomers that are in there. We've already talked about Malcolm Jenkins. And of course, there's a lot of different answers to here because we could talk about free agents, draft picks, even undrafted free agents with some potential. Uh, Who are or which are uh, some of the newcomers that you think might have the biggest impact? And let's talk a little bit. And if you if you don't mind, maybe talk a little bit about how their impact and usage look in 2020 in reference to the fantastic article that you did to where you catalog sort of every newcomer's usage in their own words well Ruiz he's our Ruiz is going to be a guy that you're going to see start right away um, mm-hmm. that's obvious now I, I thought it was fairly obvious before Larry Warford <laughs> got cut I was um talking to Dan Rauscher today he talked to the media over video conference and asked him what have you learned about Ruiz um what have you seen and he said you know he said they always have these Zoom meetings like every day. That's kind of how they're teaching them the installations. And they can't put them on the field. He said he's always early. So, I mean, that's <laughs> one point in his favor. He asks a lot of questions. He has a really good mind. Like he, he seems to pick this stuff up quickly. And that's all important, obviously, as a rookie offensive lineman who's expected to be thrown in the fire straight away. Right. So I still don't know exactly where he's going to play, although my hunch is, center i i think that they'll move mccoy to guard but mm-hmm. they have such a small class i mean you can really see all of them finding a role i i don't know about steven just because i think it's gonna be hard for him to make the roster and mm-hmm. yet would the Saints 
allow him to go through waivers after fighting to get him in, during the draft. Right. So, um, and I, and I, I should clarify, yeah, yeah. I, I chuckled a little bit, not because I chuckle at Stevens, just that whole situation during the draft still makes me chuckle to this day. <laughs> it's such a wild, wild thing. I mean, it's pretty hilarious. That was a great story <laughs> Jeff wrote for The Athletic. Oh, so a, a story I didn't know. And I, I just love that this uh, the Panthers are going to become like their new rival. It's, it's very mm-hmm. interesting just reading between the lines of a lot of this stuff and just uh, the fight for Stevens and all of this. Uh, I love it because, I mean, I'm all about rivalry games and things like that. I love covering Falcons games because I love the pettiness. <laughs> and there hasn't really been that much there with the, with the Panthers. Oh, I love, I love pettiness. It's the, it makes it so much more fun. But That's... yeah, the Panthers have just kind of like been there the last few years. Like right, the camp right. hurt. It's just, I don't know. It got not boring, but kind of boring in comparison to a couple of years ago when, you know, Cam, would, Cam Newton would start fights with Saints players and, and all of that. So like, <laughs> let's bring that back. I, I missed some of that. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's um, no division like here. the <laughs> NFC South. No, no, you're all good. There's just no division like the NFC South, honestly. No, and it, it, that's what makes it fun. Um, I just love the back and forth between Saints and Falcons fans. Even Saints and Bucks games are fun, although usually, like, out of the divisional games, I always – they're usually the tamest. I wasn't there the year Winston went and, like, poked Lattimore in the back of the helmet or whatever. Oh, yeah, and right, all that stuff right. started. I think that was 17 but i don't really remember but yeah usually it's like obviously falcons and then panthers and then bucks kind of way down there because they haven't been that good lately but yeah it's, it's a fun division to cover all right, so let's jump into uh, a couple of just kind of fun questions. I, I always like to tell people that, uh, you know, Locked on Saints visits are sometimes about the team or, or at least a little bit about the team, but also about the people uh, and about the people that are involved. And, you know, you took the time to be here, so I thought we could have uh, a little bit of fun here. So I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions just really about you. And I, I know you've talked about this on Twitter before, but where's the first place that you're going uh, once sort of everything is, uh, dare I say, back to normal? But you know what I mean, your, your first restaurant. Or, or wherever that might be once things are maybe feeling at their most safe? Yeah, I kind of maintained that I want to go to Clancy's, uh, mm-hmm. but I think it might be hard for me to get a table there for a while <laughs> whenever they reopen. Right. Uh, I feel like everyone's going to want to go there, but um, just some, it doesn't even have to be Clancy's, although I love the New Orleans feel of Clancy's and just like everything, uh, the atmosphere and all of that. But I just really want to go out to like a really nice dinner or steak dinner and something I haven't done in forever because all I do now is take out and cook. But yep. it would just feel so normal just to spend all that money <laughs> I've been saving, not going out, <laughs> eating a nice dinner. But right. as far as just like other places, I admit I check Bayou Beer Garden's Facebook like constantly yes. to see when they're going to reopen because I miss that place. I used to sit outside and like mm-hmm. I'd work on my laptop out there. And then in Baton Rouge, I've been stalking Florida Lee's Facebook mm-hmm. for when they're going to reopen. So I have a couple of places, but I just miss, I miss my normal bars and I just worry about so many of these businesses. And so I just can't wait to like support them whenever, uh, 
they're all able to safely reopen. Right, right. That's great. That's awesome. Um, I want to talk to you too about, you know, we, we get a lot of people to where we ask about like, what's the thing that you've been watching, you know, so far throughout, uh, throughout the lockdowns and everything. But one of the things that usually sparks the most conversation is the office. Are you an office fan by chance? I do love the office. I've, I've watched it a little bit in quarantine because I, I like to watch mindless TV when I work, but uh, yes, mm-hmm. I, I am an office fan. I just don't watch the last two or three seasons. I, I kind of skip those on my rewatch. That's totally fair to be completely honest with you. Uh, do you mind sharing with us which one, if, if you can pick one, uh, what your favorite episode is or the first one that comes to mind? Oh, uh, that's really tough. Um, there's so many good uh, options. Hmm. I'll have to come back to that. But no worries, worries. Think about it. An episode in one of those two seasons. No worries. Think think about it. Um, all right. So then let's jump to a uh, book. Do you have a book that you're reading right now? I admit I have not read as much as I wish I could have in Same. lockdown. But I, I'm such a loser. I went to the library. Actually, this is funny. So I was... <laughs> A few days before the whole world just went insane and everything got locked down, uh, I was sitting at a bar with a friend mm-hmm. during, during the day, and I don't remember what time it was. It was like 2 or 3 p.m., and I start packing up my stuff, and he goes, where are you going? I was like, oh, I have to go to the library. He, he goes, are you <laughs> kidding me? You're going to the library? I said, no, I need to go because I just have this feeling the libraries are going to be shut down in the next few days, and like, I need to go get books. And so I left <laughs> and went to the library. And like sent him like a picture of all the books I got. I got ten books, oh my and God. my friends. Yeah, I'm such a dork. No, but it's great. And I had these grand plans to read them, and I didn't read them all. Um, oh, maybe Christmas party. Now that I'm thinking of hey, it. Hey, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I think that was the first one I watched, actually. Oh, yeah, I love that episode. Or the injury. Oh, that one. That one. Oh, the injury. Laugh. The injury has my my favorite talking head where he's explaining why he has the George Foreman next to his bed with bacon. Yeah. Like it's a totally normal thing. That's he's one of my so favorite moments. About it. <laughs> or the bubble wrap on his foot and uh, he's popping the bubble wrap. Um, but uh, going back to the book question, the book <laughs> I am reading now, sort of, I keep putting it down, is Radium Girls. I think it's supposed to be a movie now, but oh. it's basically... Yeah, the story about how uh, years and years ago they used to paint watches yes. with radioactive paint, and mm-hmm. then it's a story about how these girls all like started getting sick and and died, and basically were trying to take on a company that said that there was nothing wrong. So mm-hmm. I love reading books that are turned into movies because I always figure the book must be pretty good. They're going to turn it into movies. So uh, when I finish it, I will let y'all know how it is. But yeah. uh, we'll get there. I, I will say I, I'm not familiar with the I haven't read the book, but you know my my early life career was in theater or is in theater, and there's a play called These Shining Lives that's based on that exact premise. I don't know if it's based completely off the book or if it's just based off a similar story, but it's I can tell you that the play is incredible. Uh, if that's helpful at all in terms of you know put you know the the excitement around the book. Oh, that's awesome! I. I'd never heard of that, but um, yeah, I'm gonna have to look into that. Yeah, but I, hopefully the movie is good. I know. I hope so too. Um, I will agree are, with that. They're often disappointing, but <laughs> I'm sure it'll be good. 
<laughs> I completely agree. All right, final question for you. Thanks again for uh, being willing to jump into these these fun questions. Uh, and this is one that I ask everybody. And this is another this is another bit of a thinker. So I am going to warn you about that ahead of time. But the the spontaneity is important. Um, of all of the possible, uh, you've got Cajun Creole cuisines of gumbo jambalaya, even the desserts like beignets, coffee like coffee like cafe au lait. Mm-hmm. Of all of them. Which are you and why? Oh, like, I like what would like be your, your kind of like inner, inner Cajun cuisine? Oh, uh, man, I, uh, that's, that is a tough question. I, maybe I would, maybe I compare myself to, to Tony's because, oh, there you go. I don't know if people consider that spicy, but it is seasoning and, I do tend to be very snarky and very sarcastic. So <laughs> I feel like I have to compare myself to some sort of spice because um, that's my sense of humor. Just, well, uh, as, as any of my coworkers would tell you, you they, if you ever talk to them, I am very sarcastic. Uh, <laughs> so that, that would be my answer. So we'll just go with Tony's. I don't know if or any sort of Cajun seasoning. I love that. I think that's great. I think that's a really, 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 really fantastic answer. Thank you very much for playing along. Uh, do you mind telling people a little bit about what you've got coming up uh, at The Athletic? I know things might have gotten a little derailed with the recent notes, but anything that you have planned or anything that you want people to know about your work uh, the, and all of the incredible work that's done over at The Athletic? Yeah, we've got some really fun things coming up this month. Usually June is super slow, and actually I am going on vacation in a few weeks. Congratulations. End of the month, I believe. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, It's been about a year. So I'm really looking forward to it. But um, at the end of the month, we're going to have mascot week. So we're running a ton of stories on mascots. And I'm so excited about this. I just got off the phone with someone who talked for an hour and was fantastic. But the Saints (laughs) have awesome, weird history of mascots. And Mm I'm excited to write about it because it's just the type of weird thing we like to write about at the athletic. So we got a ton of good stuff coming up this month. And then in about two months, you know, hopefully fingers crossed, we will be writing about training camp. So that's my hope. Yeah, absolutely. I fingers across there too. I have to ask you, is Will going to be writing on the Pelicans mascot? Because I need to hear what he has to say about the king cake baby. (laughs) I don't know, but I was talking to someone yesterday who creates mascots, mm-hmm. and I said, wait, did you create the Pelican mascot? He said, I didn't, but, you know, I saw that, and that thing was insane. So <laughs> if it's not me or, or Will, someone needs to write not only about the King Cake Baby, but about the demented first version of Pierre the Pelican because that's a great story. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time and for being here. Uh, everybody, make sure that y'all check out Catherine's work over at The Athletic. You can also follow her on Twitter at cat underscore Terrell, two R's, two L's. Make sure you check her out, Cat. Thank you very much for taking the time to come through today. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. It was great. All right, y'all. That is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Saints, brought to you once again by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars on the market. One more big thank you to Catherine Terrell for taking the time to come through. Had a lot of fun talking with her and getting some more information on the Saints here in 2020. Now that you're done here, make sure you tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on NFL. You might hear a familiar face on the show later on this week. Aha, aha. So make sure you're keeping up with Brian and Matt all throughout the week and keeping up here all throughout the week. Tomorrow, we got Twitter Tuesday. We'll continue on 
on with our 90-man roster review. We've got uh, our throwback Thursday. We're looking back at the 2011 season, the last time that we had a truncated offseason. How did the Saints do? Very well. And then, of course, Facebook Friday on Friday. And, of course, all the news and notes throughout the week as we have learned from experience here that there is no predicting what is going to happen within this organization. So we'll continue to keep you up to date with everything going on. As always, I thank you very much for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know what the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe and drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust Who That Nation. I'll holla at you.